You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, please visit Stonegate.Church. Okay, so what we are about is really simple as a church family. Um, We say it in a simple phrase over and over again. Most weeks you're going to hear this phrase talked about and said because it's just the simple way of summarizing what it is that we are about and what it is that we are doing as a church family. And this is the way we say it. We enjoy Jesus and we make disciples. That's what we do week in, week out. This is what we're giving our life to. We enjoy Jesus and we make disciples. And I want to think about that, that, that first phrase, we enjoy Jesus. I want to think that through with you. Uh, this week and next. We're going to spend some time thinking about that particular phrase of enjoying Jesus. And here's the reason uh, we summarize so much of what we're about with that phrase uh, of enjoying Jesus. Uh, It's because far too many people carry a misconception about joy in Jesus. Uh, There's just far too many people who have bought into a myth, who have been seduced into a way of thinking about God that goes something like this, that it's either Jesus or joy. That's the myth that most people have bought into. It's either Jesus or joy. We often think about our options in life like that. If we follow Jesus, we do what he wants. If we follow Jesus, give our life all the way to him, it's going to, uh, we're going to have to forsake our joy. It's going to ruin our joy. Or if we follow joy, we're going to have to forsake Jesus. That, that's the equation that so many people are operating with. I've been in pastoral ministry for about two decades now, and I am just convinced deep down in most of our hearts, we believe something like that, the myth that it's Jesus or joy. Um, which is why I so resonate with Paul when he says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, he's looking at the Corinthian church and he says, Man, I want to define what my job is, how I see my job in your life. He says, I am working with you for your joy. That's what a church is for. That's what pastors are for. This is what a church family is for. We are all working with one another to increase our joy in Jesus. This is how I think about my job, what, what my job is for you week in, week out. It's just to do everything I can to labor on your behalf so that your joy in Jesus would increase. In the scriptures, it's not Jesus or joy. In the scriptures, it's Jesus as our joy. We want you to have all of Jesus you can possibly take to, to enjoy that much of him. Or we could say it this way. And this is just a good, healthy reminder for all of us. The church, when, when you follow Jesus, it will cost you many things in life. Uh, Jimmy preached just a few weeks ago uh, that, that parable about a king counting the cost. If you're going to go to war, you better think about uh, what it's going to cost you to go to war. And Jesus invites us to do that when we come and follow him, knowing it's going to cost us a million things along the journey of following Jesus. But church, joy is not one of those things. Following Jesus is going to cost you a lot of things. But your joy is not one of the sacrifices that you make because it's not Jesus or joy. It's Jesus as our joy. So that begs the question, how do we enjoy Jesus? What does that look like? And it's our habit to give two Sundays each January to answer that question. To encourage our entire church family to delight daily in Jesus through word and prayer. So this week, we're going to 
talk about the word part of that, to delight daily in Jesus through the word. And then next week, we'll come back and talk about prayer. What does it look like to delight daily in Jesus through prayer? So I get the chance, just the privilege today of just thinking about the precious Bible that we have. Thinking with you about the scriptures. What, what are they? What are they for? What are they for? And, and to do that, I, I want to consider with you John chapter 15. And I'm not going to get a chance to preach the whole passage this morning. I want to look at one verse. John chapter 15, verse 11. Where Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. What an amazing verse. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So I'm going to take this in two parts with you this morning. Here's part one. God speaks. God speaks. Isn't that an amazing thing just to consider about God, that we have a speaking God? You see this in verse 11 of John 15. Jesus says, these things... I have spoken to you. Now, obviously, the immediate context of these things that Jesus has spoken is the content of John chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. That's the immediate context for these words. So Jesus has just spoken some things to them like, uh, I am the vine and you're the branches. Like, you need to abide in me. And if you don't abide in me, you're going to have a problem because apart from me, you can do nothing at all. He's saying these types of things to them in John 15. And that's the immediate context. But it would be equally true to expand the these things of John 15, 11 out to, to sort of encompass the entirety of the scriptures. The these things of John 15, 11, yes, it's John 15, and yes, it is the whole of Genesis to Revelation. We have a God who speaks, not just in John 15, but through the whole Bible. It's God speaking. Do you remember the opening pages of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Verse 3. Three verses in, here's what we learn. And God said, and God said, this book, the Bible, is a record of God's word. It's a record of what God has said. That's the Bible. We have a speaking God, and those words are contained now in a book for us to enjoy. God speaks. This is why Paul, as he's encouraging the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, he encourages the church by saying, you have received the word of God. Like, he's spoken, and now we've got it contained in the scriptures, and you, you are receiving the, the word of God. You, you've received the word. Or in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, where Paul says, all scripture is breathed out by God. We have a speaking God, and that God is talking, and it's contained now in the scriptures. So think about uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture is breathed out by God. So we would affirm, yes, God used human authors like Paul and Peter and a host of others to, to write the Bible. But behind those people was God, breathing out, 
writing his words through their hands. That's the Bible, breathed out by God. Uh, Church, when you hold the Bible in your fingers, you're holding the very words of God. That's amazing to think about, isn't it? You are holding the words of our God who speaks. Uh, Thomas Watson, an old Puritan pastor, said it this way. He said, think in every line you read that God is speaking to you, for in truth, he is. Let's just be freshly amazed at that today, that God speaks, that God's words are now in a book that we can break open and read and encounter the living God. That's the Bible. God speaks, and those words are recorded in a book for you uh, to bless you. And and I want to consider what some of those blessings are with you. God has spoken, but why has God spoken? Why do we have a book like the Bible? Why has God blessed us with these words that have flown from his mouth and and now been written down in a book for us to enjoy? Why is that? So, So I want to work through four reasons for the word, four reasons for God's Uh, For God to speak and for those words to be contained in a book. Four reasons for God's words. Now, let me take a step back and say for the first three reasons, we're going to zoom out of John 15 and just sort of let the Bible talk about itself. And then for the last reason, reason number four, we're going to zoom back into John 15 and allow Jesus to give us another answer there in John 15 verse 11. So why is it uh, that God speaks? Four reasons. Here's reason one. God speaks so that we can see Jesus. God speaks so that we can see. In particular, so that we can see the person of Jesus. The Bible is a Jesus-presenting book. That's what the Bible is doing from Genesis to Revelation. It's presenting to you the person of Jesus. Now, uh, Jesus clarifies this in John chapter 5 as he addresses the Pharisees. The Pharisees loved the Bible. They spent time in the Bible. They were all about the Bible. The problem with the Pharisees is they just missed the very point of the Bible, namely Jesus. They just missed what the Bible is all about. And and Jesus tells them this in John chapter 5 and verses 39 and 40 when he says, uh, Pharisees, hey, here's the problem. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And then listen to what Jesus says about the Bible. And it is they, the scriptures, that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus is saying here, that the Bible is a Jesus-presenting book. It bears witness to Jesus. It shows us Jesus. It helps us see Jesus. It presents to us the person of Jesus. So think about the Bible for a moment. It's made up of 66 books. Um, You've got uh, 39 in the Old Testament and 27 in the New Testament. And the Bible and all of these smaller books that make up the Bible have all sorts of characters in uh, those books. And all sorts of stories that make up those books. And we oftentimes think about those stories within the Bible um, like a mall. Now think about the last time you went to a mall. And and think about what your experience in a mall is like. Uh, When you walk through a mall, you are encountering store after store after store. And each one of those stores is telling you a story. 
It's got a message that it wants you to believe. Uh, and that message is essentially come in here and buy these goods. So, so every store has a story. But here's the thing about them all. Um, as you go from store to store to store, it's, it's disconnected messages, disconnected stories. This store is telling you this story. This next store is telling you that story. And there is no connecting thread through those stores and their stories. And this is oftentimes how we think about the Bible, uh, much like we would a mall. But the Bible is not like a mall. The Bible is more like a great movie. Now think about a movie. In a movie, you know that every detail that's introduced in the beginning of the movie is shaping your understanding for what will happen later in the sort of climatic big scenes of the movie. But everything introduced, every small story, every small detail that, that, that comes in the opening scenes is for something. It's so that, that your, your understanding and your mind can be shaped to take in the big story of the movie. And that's the Bible. God, like a great director, has inserted hundreds of stories into the Bible. And those stories recorded throughout the Old and New Testaments are all telling one grand story about one great person. That's the Bible. It's one story. One grand story about one great person. It's the story of God sending his beloved son, Jesus, to rescue rebels like you and I. But not just to rescue us, but to adopt us into his family as sons and daughters. It's the story of God saving sinners and setting those sinners free to shine as lights in a dark world. So that the dark world around us can see the light of their good deeds and be drawn to the goodness of our God. That's the story of the scriptures. And it's that scarlet thread of redemption that holds the Bible together. The Bible is all about Jesus. Or I, I love how Sally Lloyd-Jones in the Jesus Storybook Bible talks about this. She says, there are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there is a baby. And every story in the Bible whispers his name. He is like the missing piece in a puzzle, the piece that makes all the other pieces fit together, and suddenly you can see a beautiful picture. That's the Bible. It's telling one grand story about one great person. The, the Bible was written to open our eyes to God, to awaken us to the, to the most important, the greatest being in the universe. The Bible was written so that we could see Jesus. Every time you open the Bible, you ought to pray this. God, if nothing else happens when I read this chapter or these few chapters or this book, if nothing else happens, God, would you just help me see more of Jesus in this text, in this chapter, in these few pages? God, help me see Jesus. Friends, we don't read the Bible because it's the right thing to do. We don't read the Bible because people around us tell us to read the Bible. That's not the reason we read the Bible. We read the Bible so that we can see so that we can see the person of Jesus. That's why we read the Bible. So can I just ask you the question today? Are you delighting every day of your life in the scriptures? 
Are you delighting daily in Jesus through word? Is that habit normal in your life, regular in your life, daily in your life? Are you delighting daily in Jesus? Is that happening? Is that true of you? If if we just took a, a look at the last week of your life, would we see an ongoing daily delight in Jesus through his word? If we took a view of the last month, the last year of your life, would we see that normal habit in your life? Why does God speak? So that we can see Jesus. That's not the only reason God speaks. God speaks so that we can believe in Jesus. So that we can believe in Jesus. Romans 10, 17. Paul says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The, the Bible isn't just a Jesus presenting book. It's also a belief creating book, a belief sustaining book. Faith comes through hearing the word of Christ. It, it, it creates and sustains our faith in Jesus. If you are not a follower of Jesus, if you haven't taken that decisive step toward him in faith. But I would just encourage you, open up the Bible. You might start in the book of John, where you get to see the life of Jesus just presented before you. And just read the scriptures slowly, thinking it through, asking God to speak to you. And do you know what God loves to do when people do that? To give them faith. This faith that turns from their sin and this faith that throws their life upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Just open the Bible and and hear God there. If you are a follower of Jesus, wouldn't you agree that ongoing faith is a fight? It's a fight. Every day of our life, keeping, keeping our faith firmly rooted in Jesus is a war. It is a battle to keep believing. In your life, it's a battle. In my life, it's a battle. That is normative in every follower of Jesus' heart. It, there is a war over belief in you. Every day of your life, in your heart, in my heart, in all of our hearts. So think about your own life right now for a moment. Think about what's going on in your heart right now. Maybe you could ask yourself this question. Do you believe that Jesus will satisfy the deepest parts of your heart? Do you actually believe that? Or is it Jesus plus something else? Is it Jesus or Jesus plus something? Uh, Maybe that something is, um, I just want to get married. It's Jesus plus, I just want a marriage. Or or maybe it's Jesus plus, I just want to get out of my marriage. Or it's Jesus plus, I want a new marriage. Or it's, I want a new job or a job or this house or, or that possession or this much money and this much in the bank. But it's Jesus plus something. Your flesh doesn't care what that something is as long as it is Jesus plus something else in your life. And every day that something is clawing and scratching to find a hold in your heart. Every day it is for that something to be added to Jesus. 
It's going to be Jesus plus this that really gives me satisfaction, that really satisfies the deep aches in my heart. And as soon as that something gets a foothold in your life and in your heart, you know what it starts to do? It starts to try to crowd Jesus completely out of your heart to where it's just this thing that's going to satisfy the deepest aches of your heart. That is the normative battle every day in a follower of Jesus's life. Your life, my life, our life. Every single day, that is normative spiritual warfare. That is what the battle for belief looks like every day of our life. And if that's true, do you know what we need every day of our life? We need new faith for the new day. You need new faith for the new day. I need new faith. We all need new faith for the new day. Every single day of your life, something will whisper into your ear, that it's not just Jesus you need, it's Jesus plus me. And your something's different than my something, but every day of your life, something will be whispering in your ear. And because something is always whispering in your ear, you need, I need new faith for every new day. Now, where does that fresh faith come from? Where does that new faith come from? You find new faith for a new day in the same place you found faith on your first day. Right there in the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith. Not just the the first moment of faith that you had, but ongoing faith. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Virtually every time I've been across the table for people who were just losing in the battle for belief. And we're all going to be there in moments of our life. But virtually every time that I'm in that moment across the table from somebody just struggling so badly to believe, in almost every one of those moments, I ask this question. Are you delighting daily in Jesus through his word? Are you opening the Bible up and reading it every day? Is that a normative habit in your life? And in almost every one of those moments, the answer is, no, I'm not. And that has led me to believe that before we drift from belief in God, we first drift from the word of God. I think that is normally true in every one of our lives. Before we drift from faith in God and belief in God, we first drift from the word of God. So friends, we don't read the Bible because um, it's the right thing to do, because other people around us tell us it's, that's not, we read the Bible because we are in a fight for faith. Because faith is an ongoing battle to believe every single day of our life. And every day we need new faith for this new day. And and the place we find new faith is opening up the Bible and abiding with Jesus over his word. That's where new faith for every new day is found in our life. God speaks so that we can see Jesus and so we can believe in Jesus. So let me ask you the question. Are you delighting daily in Jesus? Is that habit normal, regular? Look back over the last week, the last month. Is that habit normal in your life? For the dads in the room, if I were to ask everyone else in your family, is that a normal habit for you? What what would your family say? 
Does your family get to see you and observe you delighting daily in the word of God? For our moms and, and wives in the room, is that true for you? For our single folks in the room, if, if I were to ask your group of friends, is this an evident quality in this person's life, in your life, a habit in their life, what would they say? Are you delighting daily in the word of God? So God speaks so that we can see Jesus, so we can believe in Jesus, but God also speaks so that we can become like Jesus. Become like Jesus. Every person needs purpose in their life. Without purpose, we have a way of shriveling and shrinking, and our life just has a way of, of, of withering around us. So, so every person needs purpose. But the problem with purpose is that a fog can often roll into our life, making purpose hard to see in our life. It's not uncommon for a person to wake up and just feel like my life is lacking purpose and just doesn't have meaning today. That's a common feeling for us. So in light of that, we often need to be reminded of what our purpose is. And the Bible is such a great place for you to go to be reminded of your purpose. It's going to talk about your purpose in life in, in dozens of different ways. But here is one of the ways that Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. He says, for those whom... He, God, foreknew, God also predestined to what? To be conformed to the image of his son. To be conformed to the image of his son in order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers. What is God up to in your life right now? Like deep down in the bottom places of your life and your heart, what is God up to right now in your life? If you're a follower of Jesus, here is one way to answer that question. He's making you more like Jesus. That's what he's doing right now. Slowly, gradually, he is just shaping you into the image of Jesus. He's cutting things out of your life that need to be cut out, and that's painful, isn't it? He's, he's adding things into your life. You know, like those areas in your life where you're resisting Jesus? You know he wants you to go, but you're just, he, he, right there, that's the place where he's adding new things into your life, chiseling, forming, refining you into the likeness of our big brother, Jesus. Now, if that's what God is doing, how does God go about doing that? How does God go about growing us and maturing us and forming us into the image of Jesus? Well, God uses a lot of things, but this is God's primary tool to do that. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Uh, the pure spiritual milk here for Peter is the word of God. That's a synonym for long for the Bible, for the word of God. He says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. Now, why would we long for it? Why would we immerse ourselves in it? Why would we drink the pure spiritual milk of the word of God? That by it, you may grow up into salvation. The Bible, this, this pure spiritual milk grows us so that we slowly, progressively, gradually become like Jesus. Maybe you could think about it this way. When you wake up and you live every day, you are going to be shaped by something. Option one, you can be shaped by the world around us, the culture around us, and your flesh. That's one option. Every day of your life, you can be deformed by our culture, 
or you can immerse yourself in the Word of God and be continually reformed by Jesus. Those are the only two options. Every day, you're going to either be deformed by culture, reformed by Jesus. And this is why we open up the scriptures. We, we, don't, we don't read the Bible because it's just the right thing to do in our life. We read the Bible because we need the Bible to become like our big brother, to be reformed every day of our life into the image of Jesus. So are you delighting daily in the word? Opening up the scriptures every day to be reformed by Jesus. Is that a normal, regular habit in your life? Delighting daily in the Word of God. God speaks so that we can become like Jesus. And now one more, our fourth one. God speaks so that we can see Jesus, believe in Jesus, become like Jesus, and so we can enjoy Jesus. Now we're back to John chapter 15, verse 11. And I would encourage you to memorize this verse. It's an amazing verse, one that would be so helpful to have hidden in your heart. John 15, 11, these words, Jesus says, these words that I have spoken to you, these words, why, Jesus, have you spoken them to us? Why, why are you telling us things? Why have you taken your word and recorded them in a book? These words I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, what, what, what an amazing couple of phrases in the Bible. Jesus is saying, I have spoken to you because I want my joy. Now, think about the triune God. God is the happiest being in the universe. You have never met a being in this universe more happy than God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, there is joy just erupting and overflowing out of the heart of the triune God. And he is saying, I want my joy, this uncontainable joy, I want that joy to be in you. And I want that joy in you. I want your joy now to be full. This is the reason that I'm speaking these words to you. This is the reason that I'm giving the Bible to you. The Bible is a joy-producing book. It is a joy-producing book. Listen to how the psalmist talks about it. Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2, blessed. That's another way of saying happy. Happy is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The Bible is a joy-producing book. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. I doubt any of us came in here today with a soul too revived. It's just too much. My soul is too alive. To, I, I don't think that's any of our stories, right? But we all came in here needing revival in our soul. And the psalmist is saying, this is where you go for revival, to the Word of God. This is, this is the work that the Word does in us. It revives the soul. The Bible is a joy-producing book. Or this is how Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, but Jesus answered. This is in the middle of temptation. This is in the middle of Satan uh, tempting Jesus. And Jesus responds back by saying, it is written. He's going to quote the scriptures. He's going to quote from Deuteronomy. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying here, 
you were made in such a way where you need more than physical food. Church, he's saying you were made to feast on God's word. That, that is how God made you. He made you to feast on his word. When, when you, I mean, just think about the moment when you open up the scriptures and you're going to delight in the scriptures. You're, you're going to read the Bible. Think about that moment. The goal of that moment is not just more knowledge. As good as knowledge is, the goal is not just more knowledge. The goal is more enjoyment. More enjoyment of Jesus. That's the goal. The Bible doesn't just hold Jesus up to see and to study as great as that is. The Bible is holding Jesus up for you to see so that you can enjoy the person of Jesus. Friends, we don't read the Bible because it's just the right thing to do. That's not the reason we read the Bible. We read the Bible because it is a feast prepared by God himself for us to enjoy. That's why we read the Bible. The Bible is not a, man, I have to read it again today. Oh my God. No, the Bible is not that. The Bible is a, I can't believe this. I get to get in this book today. That's the Bible, friends. This right here is a picture of the Bible. I just want you to take a moment to look at that. This is your picture of the Bible. It is a perfectly prepared feast from the hand of God to his people. In the scriptures, God presents to us the person and work of Jesus in all of his beauty and flavors for us to enjoy. The Bible is meant to be seen as a place we can feast. This is the scriptures. I mean, just think about the Bible for a moment. You have the sweet fruit of the Proverbs. This wisdom, the wisdom of Jesus for your everyday life. You have the meat. I mean, it's like pure protein of Paul's epistles, right? I mean, you just go to Romans and it's proposition after proposition, just beautifully laid out logic, getting us to Jesus. It is pure protein when you go to a, a Romans or an Ephesians or a Colossians and the rest of Paul's letters. And that pure protein is, is made to build your muscles around faith, to strengthen your faith. We've got the nourishing bread of the Psalms, the hymn book of God's people where God's people over the centuries have learned what it looks like to pour out their hearts to God when, when things are going great in their life and when things have hit rock bottom in their life. So we learn how to pour our heart out to God. It's the nourishing bread. We have the nourishing milk of the life of Jesus. As we read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's where we see the star of the story in the flesh, right? God has come down and he's dwelling among his people. We get to see his perfect life. We get to see the dying love of God as Jesus crawls up on that cross and takes the punishment for our sin. On the third day, we get to see the power of God as Jesus comes out of the grave. All of that meant to nourish you and to, to grow you. The Bible 
friends, is the best of foods. For, for you to enjoy, for you to have your faith nourished and your life formed into the image of Jesus. This, this is your picture of the scriptures. Friends, this is what the Bible is. This beautiful spread that God has created for his people to enjoy. And the next time you go to pick up the Bible, and you have that little thing in you like, oh my gosh, how am I going to find time for that? I do I, do I, something else is probably more important today than, I'm just praying this picture sticks in your mind that, no, what you're doing in that moment is you're foregoing the feast, what your heart really needs. I'm praying this picture would stick in your mind. You would see this as what you're saying no to. This as what you're turning down. This as what you're neglecting. This picture would come into your mind and then you would see through this picture all the way up to Jesus who is offering himself to you in the scriptures as a person to be enjoyed. That's your picture of the scriptures. A feast that your soul needs. Now in light of that, I think this is the invitation from God to all of us today. And it's a really simple invitation. In light of the scriptures being this perfectly prepared feast, God is looking at us and saying, come hungry. Come hungry. Do you find in your heart today yearnings for Jesus? Just take a look at your own heart and just ask, do you find yearnings from Jesus? Every parent has had that moment where uh, it's 30 minutes before dinner is ready, and it's a great dinner, and then here comes your kid walking into the kitchen with a Pop-Tart in their hand. And you're like, no, do not eat that Pop-Tart. You're going to ruin this great meal that's 30 minutes away, right? We've all had that moment as, as parents. And in the same way, if you can't find a hunger for Jesus inside your heart, it's likely because you are nibbling on things that are just doling and ruining the meal of Jesus. TV can do that. Social media can do that. Scrolling incessantly on your phone can do that. Unconfessed sin can ruin the meal of Jesus. Just dull your taste buds. Pride can dull your taste buds. And church, I just want to look at you and just say clearly today that whatever is, is doling your affections for Jesus today, look at me, they aren't worth it. They're not worth it. Whatever those things are, they're not worth it. Jesus is a feast presented for us in the Bible to come and enjoy what Pop-Tart is worth that. There isn't one. There isn't one. So the invitation of the Bible is to come hungry to this perfectly prepared feast, to come hungry and then eat. To come hungry and eat. That's the invitation from God for you today. Well, how do we eat? We oftentimes use the illustration of a hand to help give some handlebars for that. How do we eat the Word of God. Well, uh, the pinky is to listen to the Word of God. 
That's why it's important for you to sit under solid preaching. If you've got a commute, you can just pop on the Bible anytime and listen to the Bible as you're commuting, to, to listen to the Word of God, then to read the Word of God. That's the ring finger, to read the Word of God. You will not drift toward more Bible reading in your life. You'll always drift away from it. So you need a plan. What, what's your plan to feast on the Word of God this year? I would commend to you to get on the Stonegate Bible reading plan. If you don't have a plan, that would be a good one for you. It's what our whole church is doing. Grab a CBR journal. It's got that plan in there. It gives you place to, to read and pray the Word every day of your life. Re listen to the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Just maybe take one or two books a year, one every six months of your life, and just say, I want to get to know this book of the Bible. We're going to preach through Jonah this year. We're going to preach through Colossians this year. You might pick one of those books and just say, this year, I want to know this book. Study the Bible. Memorize the Bible. That's the forefinger. Memorize the Bible. I would commend to you the Fighterverse app. It's got a good scripture memory plan. That's what we follow here, the 2021 set. I would commend you or commend to you that Fighterverse app to, to get on a regular habit of hiding the Word of God in your heart. And then the thumb is to meditate on the Word. As you listen, as you read, as you study, and as you memorize the feast that God has prepared for you, that you meditate on it, that you think it through, that you pray it back to God. This is how we feast on the scriptures. This is how we eat the scriptures. Let me close with this verse from Jeremiah, chapter 15. It's a beautiful verse. Listen to what Jeremiah says. He says, your words were found and I ate them. I ate them. I love that imagery. That Jeremiah is saying, man, I'm just stumbling around and I stumbled into a feast called the Word of God and I pulled up a chair and I just started eating. I found your words and I ate them. Now watch what happened to these words from God as Jeremiah began feasting on these words. Your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. And so that's what I'm asking the Lord to do for us. That as we pull up a chair and, and we sit down at the table and we begin to feast on the words of God, that they would become our joy and delight. That in the scriptures, we would discover this amazing feast where we delight daily in the person of Jesus. Amen? Why don't you pray with me? You can just bow your head there where you are, and I'm going to give you a moment to allow the Spirit of God to press into you what would be most helpful and to wipe away the things that wouldn't be today. Maybe one question that would be good for us to consider this morning is, have we come to Jesus? Have we taken that decisive step where we turn from our sin and we throw our life upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? This is what the Bible calls belief or faith. 
It's holding our life up to God and saying, God, I am trusting in the person and work of Jesus to save me. Here's my life. The, the whole of my life, rescue me. And God stands so ready and so willing to rescue you this morning, to save you this morning, to bring you into his family, to make you one of his own sons and daughters. So just in the best way, you know how, in this room, in your living room, call out to God, ask him to, to rescue and save you right now. And here's another question for us to consider. So are we delighting daily in Jesus through his word? Or have things ruined our affection for him? Have things ruined the meal of Jesus? I mean, this is the scriptures. This beautiful feast prepared by God for his people to nourish us, to help us see, to help us believe, to help us become Abiding right here at this table, feasting on God's word, is how we enjoy the person of Jesus. May we not neglect that. Oh God, would you help us? Would you help us, oh God? May we be a people that, as Paul says, allows the word to dwell richly in us. God, may we daily eat the sweet fruit, the needed protein, the refreshing bread of your word. God, will you reconvince us today that we're not made to live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. God, where we have been lazy, just neglecting the feast that is Jesus over his word, God, would you, would, would you cause repentance to spring up in us today? And God, will you help us plan our formation, plan our feasting, God, would you give us insight into what you would want for this year? God, would you give us goals to set and fresh commitments to make of abiding with Jesus in his word, delighting daily in Jesus? God, would you help us in that? What are those four or five things that need to happen in our life this year to make it a year of feasting? Oh God, would you show us these things? And it's in the good name of Jesus we pray. Amen.